So the ability to say no, or the discipline perhaps, to say yeah. no, opportunities, focus on others. I think I found that to be very important. And it was one piece of advice that our investors, I was telling you about, Le Bhutan and Amarjeet Gill, they gave me when we got started. They said, that is the number one thing that you have to remember. Are you ready to hear business stories and learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and level up your business from awesome CEOs, entrepreneurs, and founders without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresh values your time and is ready to share with you the valuable info you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I appreciate you listening to this episode. If you've been listening this year, you know that we hit 1,600 episodes at the beginning of this year. We're doing something a little bit different where we are repurposing our favorite episodes around certain categories, topics, or as I like to call them, business pillars that we think are going to be extremely impactful for CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners, and what I like to call the CB Nation architects who are looking to level up their organizations. This month, we are focused on technology. We're a technology company that does dot, dot, dot. Technology is no longer an afterthought or something that you might do. It is actually a core part of your business. If you are a real estate investor, you're using it. If you're a financial firm, if you're a cleaning company, author, speaker, you are using technology. If you are in any business, you are using technology. And if you're not, then you're probably going to be disrupted by an organization that is. So this month, we are going to look into repurposing episodes that are around technology, whether that be firms or organizations that are actually using and investing in technology as a core part of their products and services, or potentially those individuals that are using and leveraging CEO hacks and CEO nuggets that center around technology and sharing ways that we can leverage it as well. Remember that you are a technology company that does dot, dot, dot. Sit back and enjoy this special episode of the IMCEO podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the IMCEO podcast. I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Keshav Pingali of Katana Graph. Keshav, it's great to have you on the show. It's good to see you, Gresh. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yes, definitely. The pleasure is all ours. You're doing so many phenomenal things. And what I wanted to do is just read a little bit more about Keshav so I can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Keshav is CEO and co-founder of Katana Graph, a high-performance, high scale-out graph processing AI and analytics company, which extracts actionable insights from massive, unobstructed data sets. Keshav holds the WA Tech's Moncrief Chair of Computing at the University of Texas at Austin and is a fellow of the ACM, IEEE, and AAAAS. Keyshop, great to have you on the show. Alphabet Soup over here. Are you ready to speak to the IMCEO community? Yes, I am. Awesome. Yes, thank you for doing all the hard work so I get the opportunity to introduce you. So what I wanted to do to kick everything off was rewind the clock a little bit, hear a little bit more on how you got started, what I call your CEO story. Sure. So I grew up in India. I went to MIT for my PhD. And then I was a professor at Cornell for several years. And then I moved to UT Austin, where I'm a chaired professor. So my entire career, I've been working in high-performance computing. And traditionally, high-performance computing, parallel computing, cluster computing, has been associated with computational science applications, so simulations of aircraft wings and things like that. But about 10 years ago, I and a group of my colleagues in high-performance computing realized 
that there was a big opportunity to bring techniques that we had developed for computational science applications and bring them to bear on graph analytics, graph AI, obtaining insights very quickly from graph data. And so I've been doing that for the past 10 years. We did a bunch of DARPA projects because DARPA was interested in this technology. And we built a system for them that did real-time intrusion detection in computer networks using the graph technology, the graph platform that we built. And DARPA liked it sufficiently that they encouraged us to do a startup. And about that time, when this DARPA project ended about two years ago, I ran into a couple of very well-known entrepreneurs in the Silicon Valley. So Libuta, and they asked me what we were doing. They saw the technology and they said, you got to do a startup. And I said, I'm a professor, I'm doing research. No, 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 this is the time to do a startup in graph plus AI. And so that's the short version of how we started Katana. Nice. I absolutely love that. And it sounds like it it gives, I guess, for lack of a better term, people those eyes and the ability to see, like you said, intrusions before they actually happen. So I feel like it allows you to kind of like, quote unquote, see your blind spots, it sounds like as an organization. Is that correct? Yeah. So that's one application of graph technology. But what we're building is what we call a graph intelligence platform. Mm -hmm. So uh, there is, you've heard terms like the data tsunami or the data flood. So the world is generating data at a much faster pace than we can actually analyze it. So there's a volume of data. And then the other aspect to it is time to insight, because very often there's a window of opportunity. If you can get your insights within that window of opportunity, then you actually benefit from it. But otherwise, if it's too late, then it doesn't matter, right? Because you can't exploit the insights. So there's the volume of data, and then there is the need to process all of this data very quickly. So that's where we come in because there is called structured data. So structured data is data that you can put into tables and you have relational databases that have been around for 50 years. Well-known technology, lots of great companies like Oracle and so on in that area. But increasingly, the data that people are generating, devices are generating like IoT devices, they are what are called linked data. So it's unstructured data that can be represented like a graph and then processed using graph algorithms. And for your listeners who may be unfamiliar with graphs, actually, everybody uses graphs, even if you don't know the term graph. So if you take an airline route map, for example, what are cities and then lines that correspond to flights between cities? That's a graph. So we call the cities nodes, and then those lines connecting nodes, we call them edges of the graph. Now, an airline route map typically might have 100 or 200 nodes, 200 cities. The graph data we deal with may have billions, hundreds of billions of nodes and trillions of edges. So there is a big need for processing that kind of enormous scale linked data and do it very fast. Yeah, understand and know what's going on with that data and be able to, it sounds like, make decisions based off of that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's what we call cognitive intelligence. So at the simplest level, you take data that comes in and you represent it like a graph, and then you can just say what has happened, right? At the next level up, you have what is called prescriptive analytics. So prescriptive analytics, you also say why something happened. Then you want to get to predictive analytics. That's even more difficult. So there you're trying to predict what may happen in the future based on everything that has happened in the past. And then where we want to be is what we call cognitive analytics. So there you basically are trying to 
reason or infer automatically using AI and machine learning techniques about why things are happening the way they are. So you build models, as we call them, and then you use the models in order to make predictions about what may happen in the future. So that's nice. where we want to be, cognitive analytics. Nice. I know you already touched on a little bit on how you're serving your clients and how Katana Graph is working. Is there anything you wanted to add there? And then what you feel is like your secret sauce could be for you individually or the organization or a combination of both and such a part of makes you unique? Yeah, I think what I'd like to say about Katana, what makes Katana unique is if you look at other graph computing companies in this space, they are what we call database first. So computing is a secondary to what they do, which is searching the graph data for certain patterns that you're looking for. And so there are companies in this space. What we are focusing on, however, is on the analytics and the cognitive analytics and the graph intelligence aspect of it, which is not really search, but it focuses much more on very large-scale computing in order to extract properties of these graphs. So I'll give you a couple of examples from some of our users, right? The companies we work with. So we have gotten a lot of traction in the medical and pharma area, for example. So we are tied up with one of the biggest pharma companies in the world. So they have very big graphs that are called knowledge graphs. So these knowledge graphs basically incorporate everything that's known in the medical world. And it's represented as a big graph over there. So the vertices or the nodes of this graph might represent people, papers, biological organisms, treatments, and then the edges correspond to relationships between all of these entities. And what they want to do is to be able to mine these knowledge graphs in order to do what they call hypothesis generation. So hypothesis generation basically find promising treatments for some particular disease. And they also want to be able to rule out certain potential treatments because it's a lot faster and cheaper to do it using a computer than going to a wet lab and then finding out that something doesn't work. So that's an example that uh, we're uh, actively working in, and there are lots of medical companies uh, that we could work with. Another area that's really exciting is what's called precision medicine. So if you go to a doctor right now and he diagnoses you with some disease, chances are he'll give you some treatment that's very similar to what he gives everybody else who has that disease. But obviously, if we take into account your medical history and your genetic profiles and everything that's known about your parents and grandparents, you know, all the information that makes you, makes you special, then we might be able to give you a more targeted treatment than the generic treatment. So again, there is an enormous amount of data that needs to be processed fast. And so we're doing another contract with a couple of precision medicines. And then there are other applications in security. We also already talked about intrusion detection in computer networks. So bad guys are trying to break into a network and misuse your resources. You want to catch them as quickly as possible. So graph technologies are used very heavily over there. And again, the graphs are very big. And in that application, you can see why time is very important because you want to catch the bad guys before they have a chance to do any damage, lasting damage to your information security. So there are lots and lots of applications of graph technologies, and in particular, this graph intelligence platform that we are building. And again, just to tie all of this back, what makes us unique is the fact that we are what we call a graph intelligence platform first, as opposed to a graph database first. So we focus on the compute rather than on the search capability, which is where traditionally graph companies are focused on.
Like, would you consider that to be what I like to call your CEO hack, the thing that makes you more effective and efficient? Is that ability to say no to sometimes all the opportunities that you might be presented with, but decide to laser focus on those three verticals that you have? Yeah, I think that's that's one of them. So the ability to say no, or the discipline perhaps to say yeah. no to opportunities, focus on others. I think I found that to be very important. And it was one piece of advice that our investors, I was telling you about, Liputan and Amarjeet Gill, they gave me when we got started. They said, that is the number one thing that you have to remember. And then the other thing that helps me in terms of a business hack or a business resource is I grew up in India, as I was telling you. And one of our ancient books is called the Bhagavad Gita. So the Bhagavad Gita is, you can think of it as like one of the books of the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Western context. And what the Gita tells us is that the most noble thing any human being can do is to do his duty, right? So doing your duty is the most important thing. And if you've done your duty, well, then you've fulfilled your obligations as a human being. No, I absolutely appreciate that. And so now I wanted to ask you my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on this show. So Keisha, what does being a CEO mean to you? I think I'd go back to the answer I gave you earlier about duty and responsibility, right? And so there are three constituents for me as a CEO, three groups that I have a duty to, a responsibility to, first and foremost, our customers, because they're trusting us to solve problems for them. Equally important is my responsibility to my team. And so we try to have a nurturing culture over here. One of our mottos uh, at Katana is this Japanese word called Kaizen, right? Which means continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't be afraid of making mistakes, but you shouldn't make the same mistake twice. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, uh, if you're punitive about people who make mistakes, then nobody will take risks. And that is the biggest risk of all. And so we nurture our team members, we help them to grow in their careers. And then the third constituency, of course, is our investors, because they have put a lot of trust and, frankly, money in Katana. And so we need to make sure that we are responsive to their imperatives. So I think for me, being a CEO just goes back to these two words, duty and responsibility. And then the final thing that I'd like to add as an immigrant to the U.S. is that I have benefited tremendously from the openness of American society, the ability of Americans to judge people based on their talents and what they bring to this country as opposed to where they were born, right? And of course, we need to make the country a better place and we need to eliminate problems that exist and so on. But I am very grateful as an immigrant for the opportunities that America has given me. And I want in the rest of my career to put back into America and make this a better place for both everybody who was born here as well as people who move here from other places. I appreciate you so much for doing that and that perspective. And of course, for your time today. So one thing I wanted to do was passion the mic again, just see if there's anything additional that you want to let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you and find about all the awesome things you and your team are working on. You know, I just want to go back to our main theme, which is we're building this graph intelligence platform, scale out, very fast processing of enormous amounts of data to get actionable insights. And so I think that is the wave of the future. And we plan to be at the crest of that wave. You can get in touch with me. You can go to our website, which is katanagraph.com, and you'll find a lot more information about Katana, what we do, 
team members, customers, all of that. We also have a presence on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and all those links are there on our website. And of course, you can send me email. So kpingali at katanagraph.com will always reach me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And to make it even easier, we'll have the links and information in the show notes too, so that everybody can follow up with you. Lakeisha, I truly appreciate that spirit that you have and that you brought to us today and to remind us of how important it is to constantly get better, whether we're talking about the product that you're creating or the things that we could do related to our duty, our responsibility, and understanding the people that we have and impact in so many different ways. So thank you so much for reminding us of that, of course, doing that so well. And I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. I Am CEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Get your driven CEO gear at ceogear.co. This has been the I Am CEO podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.